welcome to episode 663 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It's Friday, March 29th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, we had real baseball, and it was glorious. How you doing today? Oh, man. I uh, uh, Yesterday was so amazing, but it felt like uh, like an amateur drinking holiday <laughs> in which... Like we got so excited, we had so much fun, and then all of a sudden, I looked around and everybody was asleep because there was no baseball games on at nighttime. Yeah, there was only the one. I actually had a concert that I was slated to go to, and I mentioned that I never thought when I was making these plans in like late November, early December, that March twenty eighth was opening day. I just it, it they never clicked. Anything like early April, a single digit April, I'd have been like, hang on, let me check. And I'm glad I went because it was one game, and by the time the concert started, I'd probably missed like two innings. But uh, yeah, it was an interesting slate how they had just the one night game, and it it involved the shellacking. In fact, we're gonna dive right into a great transition there. Um, that's what that's why I'm the best in the business. It was the Seattle Boston game, and Chris Chris Sale got walloped. And of course, it's one game, and you always have to just be careful with one game no matter what, but he gets walloped, the velo's down, and it's got folks talking today. There's a lot of chatter about, is Chris Sale okay uh, with you know with Velo being down nearly three miles an hour from 94.7 to 92.2? I did see somebody, I wish I could remember so I could quote them properly, but there was somebody else who posted how last April was the same thing for Chris Sale, and he eventually built back up. To 96, 97. So are we going to make the, the, you know, the same kind of overreaction and then have to peel back on it? I don't know. But there were some folks who were a little bit cooler on um, on Chris Sale this year. I don't know if that was the right move or not. They're definitely pounding their, pounding their chest today. His opening debut last year was 93-4 and then 91-9. 92-8, Those were the first four starts for Chris Sale last year. And like I said, last night at 92-7, or excuse me, 92-2, and gets mollywopped by the, the 3-0 Mariners. What did you think about it? Are you reacting to it uh, in any sort of measurable degree with Chris Sale? I don't know that I am doing anything measurable. Like, I'm not if, – if I own Chris Sale, which I don't own any shares of, and not necessarily because I was avoiding him, just it just fell – to me that you know in a lot Same. of drafts i was in he just didn't make it to me where uh yeah where i was at so uh i'm not like trading him especially not for and well, yeah because it would be on a down note yeah but i mean i think sometimes we go well i'm not trading him because i'm not going to trade people low and i think sometimes it's best to trade people sometimes you low should if, sell low. if yes. you think the bottom's about to fall out exactly uh, if you think there's another low from where we're at right of course, mm -hmm. you would want to go out and see what you can get, but I, I wouldn't do that here. It's no, I wouldn't either. The bottom line that neither of us would would do that with Chris Sale here. But how do you feel? Like, is this something that you're concerned with, or does last year being similar put you at ease? Like, well, what what is your outlook then a day in? I definitely am concerned. Uh, okay. You know, aside from the fact that the velocity was down, the control was erratic at best at, uh, mm -hmm. throughout that start. So. Uh, that I think has me more concerned than the velocity because we're just not necessarily used to seeing him be so erratic. Uh, so, but I, th it's, a, you're in, you gotta be in wait and see mode right now and hope that uh, when he comes back out next time that maybe, you know, I haven't looked through his career in terms of what his velocity looks like every year. You just read out the ones from last year. Maybe this is a cold weather type thing. Yeah, and he just struggles a little bit early on getting going in the cold. We've seen that with other pitchers before. Uh, last year, he started off slow uh, velocity-wise and was fine and fantastic by the end of the season. So, uh, wait and see. Don't don't completely overreact, but definitely keep an eye on this. Yeah, I, I just you also have to factor in that he was facing this juggernaut of an offense mm -hmm. in Seattle, right? I mean, they're hot. On. Like as much as like we they, joke they, around, they really they're yeah. like they're super hot and they're seeing the ball well. Uh, I mean, <laughs> let, let's let's talk about somebody who went off again yesterday for them. Tim Beckham with another two homers, the bat flip god. He's definitely overtaken Odubel Herrera as that because. Uh, you know, you have to get hits and get on base to do the bat flips, and, and that's not really in Odubel's game so much anymore. Tim Beckham, dude, 
583-643-1417 so far in the three games. Obviously, that's an insanely silly line. But, you know, first, I've, I've always said, like, I can't quit him. And obviously, I don't have, I'm not going to have like a ton of shares and I didn't go crazy over him. But he's one of those guys I don't quit because I, w- I was really influenced by that Baltimore run a few years back. And I'm, I guess I'm a sucker for it. I don't know, maybe because I know some people disagree, but the pedigree thing does kind of linger with me that he was a 1 1. And that could just have been a mistake. I mean, it was a mistake pick. Posey should have been the 1 1 in that draft, even without hindsight. But he still would have been like a top 10 pick for Beckham. So that just kind of keeps me intrigued, even though that was 700 years ago. Now it was in 2008. But I'm just like, this guy's a talented player. I just feel like he was going to meander. So I, I, t- I tweeted this to, um, uh, I think D- DVR had asked, like, what's your home run range for Tim Beckham now? And I kind of figured he was going to meander his way to like 18 to 22 this year on volume alone. And, um, you know, with three on, on, by the time opening day, true opening day hits because of his extra two games, Tim Beckham is obviously pacing brilliantly. But what, what do you really think out of him? Because he's going to have the volume, is this somebody that you're picking up? He's going to be available in shallower leagues for sure. I mean, are we sure that he's going to have the volume? Because, I mean, they did trade for J.P. Crawford, who is in the minor leagues. Uh, yes, yeah, in the minor leagues. But he's, they didn't trade for him for him to sit down in AAA. They, they traded for is- him to be you know, a few, hopefully a future cornerstone of the organization at, at shortstop. So, but you're not going to take Tim Beckham out unless he flops. I mean, I think they trade to Tim Beckham, right? I mean, this is okay, Jerry Depota yeah. and it's a, it's a rebuilding team. And, uh, I mean, obviously you just ride the hot streak for right now with Beckham. I, I don't right. know that I buy this at all. I, I did a, uh, uh, a DFS write-up over at Fantasy Alarm today, and, like, I felt obligated to put him in it. Like, and I even yeah. said, like, I, I don't think this is legitimate, but... You got to bring it up. Like, I mean, just uh, yeah. Well, and he's super cheap in DFS. He's only, like, 3900 or something like mm-hmm. that in DraftKings, which uh insanely cheap considering the other options. Uh, so you just ride the hot streak, and I hope that everybody, someone on Twitter mentioned, uh, like, you know, when we were talking about this after the... Uh, the Japan series, I said, like, if you hadn't had your draft yet, draft Tim Beckham and make sure get you the put, homer. Yeah, get the homers, yeah. and then you can drop him after. Hopefully you did not drop him after. Hopefully you just said, you know, I'll hold on to him for a week or something we'll like ride that. Ride him out for the entire week, mm-hmm. yeah, because especially if it's the extended week, um, now you have three homers from him, and it's, it is it, it is interesting. But let's play a little bit of uh, would you rather with Tim Beckham because I think that that's really going to crystallize maybe where we're at with regards to uh, if we want to have Tim Beckham. Would you rather have Tim Beckham or Lourdes Gurriel? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, I wasn't super high on coming Gurriel. Up, coming out hearing. Look at me. I, I think I'm going to say Gurriel. No, no, you know what? I'm going to go Beckham. I'm, I'm going Beckham. Yeah, I'm going to go Beckham too. And I made that choice in my Beat Pulse Sport 2, which is a 12-teamer online challenge. And I went Gurriel because of shortstop eligibility. He has the – he has the or because of second base eligibility, excuse me. He had the duel, and that led me to the choice. And I was like, hmm, obviously now I'm like, dang it, I should have gone with Beckham. This was after he had the homer too, so maybe I should have just taken Beckham. But Dozier – stats, yeah. Yeah, but Dozier is my second baseman, and I'm like, ah – well, see, here's well, the thing. Like, if Beckham, if for some reason they, if J.P. Crawford starts crushing it in Triple A, could Beckham uh, go to second D to the outfield, or they just move Beckham to third and move Healy? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, move Healy back to DH or or back to first. So, I mean, because you know, Jay Bruce can go to the outfield. They've got a lot of moving parts that can keep Beckham in the lineup if they choose to do so. No doubt. And that, that, yeah, that's why I do think that the playing time factor is something that works. Now nah, you're right in, about that for sure. In Beckham's favor here. Okay, what about um, Jonathan Scope versus Tim Beckham? If you can decipher between these two, good for you because I feel like they're the <laughs> same player. Uh, I think I'm going Scope. Okay, because he has the the he's had the better like height of them, the 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 best season of the of the pair. Or, because I, I see them very similarly. Like, they're going to have the nice power, and that's about it. Power and playing. 
Yeah, I just he's on the better team. No, I, I listen. I get behind the scope thing, P- power, track playing record. time, and team track record. All those and they're small factors. And when you're yeah. having to the differentiate between two guys who are pretty similar, as I do believe Tim Beckham and, and Jonathan Scope are when you really boil it down, I think you do have to start going off of some of the softer factors. So, yeah, okay, I can get behind taking him. Uh, let me see. Let me get uh, a couple others here. What about would you still be holding Jed Lowry and waiting on him, or would you go ahead and make the move? Let's say you're in an NFBC situation, and so Lowry's not on a DL. He's taking one of your seven. Would you cut him and take Tim Beckham instead? Mm. I, uh, I don't know. I, I think I stumped dog. Yeah. I don't know. What would you do? I just yeah, I don't I think that's I would. Right. I would. Because I again I and I've stressed it and I, I probably want to be careful not to overdo it, but learning under Dusty to not really have too many stashes, I want my spots working for me. And there's certain you know, there's certain concessions that you make, an elite prospect that you think will be up in a relatively short fashion. And if you have some stability elsewhere and you can kind of afford it, sure. But if you just have your run-of-the-mill roster, which is going to have its mix of stability and gamble, and you know, depending on on how your the makeup of your um, reserve roster, I think in a lot of situations, I'm just going to go ahead and do that because, again, can by by the time Lowry gets back from that from that time forward, can you really make a, a definitive case that he'll outperform Beckham? This is not like Didi Gregorius, mm-hmm. where when Didi gets back from the from that time forward, I would feel pretty strongly that Didi's going to be better. But with Jed Lowry, I don't think I can make that case confidently. So I would take Tim. Yeah, especially with Lowry's injury history. uh, And age, 35. Yeah. And, I mean, and role. They have a lot of guys who can can come in and... and, Jeff McNeil could just... Yeah. Take off. Like, he he really could. And And then Lowry's bouncing. Yeah, with Alonzo already on the team. Yep. It could be... uh, a much you know it, it's a much more crowded situation than we thought it was going to be at least to start the year one more um dj lemayhew who is going to be more of a bounce around guy obviously has the much higher batting average ceiling but let's assume that you don't have a particular need of the category and so you don't lean on it that way you're just looking for the best reserve player would you take lemayhew in his bounce around role or tim beckham as as a as a full-time starter for the foreseeable future at least for now give me the guy who's playing every day yeah, I would take Beckham there as well. I mean, so, that could that could easily change, and I think in this kind of context, obviously, if Beckham just goes completely cold, we can drop him. That's the thing too; he is somebody that you can ride the hot hand with. This isn't like Didi Gregorius last year, who like started off super hot, and then we were all like sucked in, and then he got super cold. And we, yeah, oh, we he went stuck from with it one guardrail to the other. It was mm-hmm. kind of wild. So, so that's Tim Beckham. Yeah, you know, take a look at him. Uh, you know, make a thoughtful decision. There's, there's going to be some tough choices out there. Obviously, if you're picking him up this weekend, you're not getting the three homers either. So obviously keep that in mind. But he's going to have some pop. Like I said, uh, maybe up his outlook to 25, 26 homers. And I know people freak out when you do, like, oh, well, don't change the projection because he already hit three. I, I guess for me, what I'm thinking is that he is he's a little bit more on his high end. He's playing better than I like if, if he's coming in as more of the Baltimore guy than than the steady or the Baltimore 2017 guy than the Baltimore 2018 guy. That's why I would say okay, he looks sharp right now. Let's say it's, let's see it's if he hard because we've fallen mid-20s. for this before. Like. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so we have to be careful. Um, all right, all right. So we move on from from one you know top of the heap ace and then and then a guy who did some damage off of him. To more of a uh, last last chance saloon ace in Zach Granke. I think that people kind of begrudgingly took him, realizing that he continues to perform every year despite some of the questions seemingly every year about his velocity. We didn't hear a whole bunch about it this year. But uh, he gets just trashed by his former team, the Dodgers, yesterday giving up seven runs, including four home runs. Holy smokes. It was a rough one. Um, again, running running it back on the same questions. What, what was your outlook on Grinky coming in? I don't know that we talked about him a lot because I don't think either of us really ended up with him. 
are you impacted by a, a seven run shellacking or do you just you know tap the brakes and take it easy uh, uh how do you feel about zach Granke now after a, a brutal opener i was like i had Granke, i think just inside my top 20 or maybe just outside of my top 20 top 20 ish mm. uh i ended up with no shares just because there were sexier options that i ended up going with and there were guys that late later on that i really like so you know the jimmy nelson's of the world uh the ross striplings of the world guys like that uh so i ended up kind of staying away from ranking not necessarily avoiding him it just like sale just never ended up on any of my teams uh this is really concerning to me and I don't want to overreact because Granky's shown that he can pitch with diminished velocity. He did it the majority of last season. Uh, his average fastball velocity yesterday was 88.5 uh, which is lower than it was last year uh, and obviously he could you know he guys gain as they go through the season so that it could go yep. up to where he was last year. The scary part for me is there just isn't a huge amount of difference between his slider and his changeup and his fastball in terms of velocity. The slider is 83.1. The changeup's 86.2. Like, that's not a huge gap, and I think he's going to get Felix-esque. Hit. Yeah. He's going right? to get hit around unless they're – like, he needs to do something to that change to make it slower, I would think. Otherwise, it's just going to look – too similar coming out of his hand and i yeah i haven't checked movement numbers but right now it's it's really the fastball slider change up living in a velocity band and then that slow curve there's like it, it there is no transition to go from that uh you know mid to high 80s down to the 70 mile per hour curve and if that you know it can curves that slow can have that hump in it too where you kind of see those coming as well and if if he's not dropping them in the strike zone for Grinky they can almost be a layoff pitch too if he's spiking them. So, you know, he's painting himself into a little bit of a corner. I did have reservations about him. And this was one of the ones that when you, when you and I talked about, and by the way, I want to be clear. I'm not going to freak out over just today uh, or over just yesterday and be like, now he's the top 60 pitcher instead of where I had him at 23. I probably didn't give him enough credence to move him down to about 23 from 23 to about, 33 though based on the discussion we had when we both moved kluber down because we were saying we were full of crap by having him ranked where we did because we weren't taking him there and i kept Granky at 23 and never looked his way and again i want to avoid confirmation bias to the highest degree but he was just somebody i couldn't get confident in as a two at all and so i should have ranked him as a three and I, I do regret that. And even if he turns it around, I'll say, you know, I still wish I would have because I was I want to be true to what I'm actually doing out there in yeah. the streets when I'm drafting. And so that was one of those ones I consistently had that sort of should you move him down, you know, because you're not taking him. You're never taking him. And and I didn't. And and now we're left here after a shellacking to wonder what's what. But it's one game. We'll see. He got pounded in the second game of, of the season last year, not the first one, but it was the second one. In fact, went uh, five and two thirds of one run ball with nine strikeouts, looked brilliant on, on his opening day bid, but then gave up five in five at St. Louis. But it wasn't with four homers, uh, which I think is the bigger issue here is that, is that it was just like such a home unfest in the three and two thirds where he gives up four. And then the Matt Koch comes in. Koch? Koch? Koch, I don't right? Remember. Coke. I believe K O C H is, is Coke. We're supposed to believe that's horseshit, but okay. Um, and then he came in and kind of did something similar where he gave up five runs, also gave up four homers. So there are multi two homer guys, and I want to transition to talk about a couple of them because they're going to be on some of the widely available things. And I didn't do the would you rather on this guy and Tim Beckham because I feel like it would have been an easy for this guy, but Enrique Hernandez popped a couple homers. And he was somebody who started to get some some draft run late in the season, in, in draft season, because it looked like he was going to have that second base job and be able to run with it a bit and not just be such a platoon. He he came up being known as a, a lefty platoon guy where he smacks lefties. And so he's on the short side of the platoon. Last year, he flipped that and he really went off against righties. He had an 833 against them, still a 780 against lefties. He was fine, but it wasn't his normal dominance. But 21 homers 
in just 462 plate appearances for Kike Hernandez. He's going to be 27. He's got some interesting skills. He's got uh, plenty of positional eligibility as well. And he's got that second base job. Two homer day now has him front and center again. I think he's somebody who's going to be widely picked up, particularly in leagues where he's already uh, you know, on a roster somewhere. I think it's going to be more of a 10-team thing. So this is a shallow league situation. Are you running out to get Enrique Hernandez in those formats? I think you probably should. And I don't know why I overlooked him in draft season. Uh, I, I had this thought process because he typically platoons or prior to the season typically platooned against left-handed pitching that he was like bad or something against right-handed pitching. And I mean, that's not necessarily the case. He, he had a, you know, two fifty two average last year uh, with 12 home runs in just 202 at bats. Yeah. Big power four ninety five yeah. slug last year against right really came into his own. Like I said, once it became clear that he was going to be the starting second baseman, which I believe many were believing um, was going to be Chris Taylor. And once it was clear that, okay, it looks like they're going to give Hernandez that job and Taylor's going to be the bounce around guy between the infield and outfield. All of a sudden late, his draft stock really started to soar for Enrique Hernandez. I got a couple shares um, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. With the two homers, obviously, you know, I'm not going to go in half confirmation bias, uh, you know, <laughs> like I did last year. But I am intrigued by him because I really don't believe that he's just going to be the platoon guy. And I do also like, and this is such a soft nothing. It's a nothing factor. It's not even a soft factor. It's a nothing factor because we've seen how it's worked with Chris uh, Chris Archer. But I like the guy. He's one of the fun guys in the dugout. He's always doing cool stuff on Twitter. I love rooting for Kike Hernandez. So to also see the success kind of come with it and to be able to root for him in the fantasy capacity is a lot of fun too. And at the end of the day, this game is supposed to be fun. We want to win. And when money's on the line, (laughs) when money's on the line, you know, I don't care how fun a guy is. He sucks. I'm cutting him. But it is cool to kind of see that little added aspect for Enrique Hernandez. He's got shortstop second and outfield 25% at, at ESPN leagues. What do you think that should be around that roster rate there? ESPN leagues typically cater to 10 team leagues. I mm-hmm. think it should be closer to 60. Yeah. So that's where he's going to be mostly available. Check your league. This is the tip we got every year. Never assume. Yes. Never just say, Oh, I, th- I think he went in my draft. He went. And then you see a bid for him on Sunday morning or on Monday morning after the bids run. And, and you're a dumbass who didn't, didn't check. And you know what? I'm speaking from experience. I did it a couple years ago. I can't remember the player. It was, it was a pretty, it was one of those fast starters. Then I'm like, oh, he got drafted, of course. I'm going to focus on the guys I'm looking at here. Mm-hmm. That other guy's not available. Just completely missed it. And then the next day when I saw the bids, run, I was like, you're kidding me. He was a fit. I'm such a clown. And um, so, yeah, always just always check. It takes five seconds. Especially so, those of you who are like us and are in a ton of leagues. Exactly. It's easy for guys exactly. to kind of fall between the cracks. So just make sure you're checking – uh, and there's actually a discussion on Twitter right now between a number of guys in, in the industry about, like, how do you do fab? Uh, and Matt Modica was one of them was like, you know, I start on Monday. Like, you know, I'm just putting guys in my, you know, in my fab run for a dollar. And then I'm, you know, kind of checking on them, you know, and adding guys throughout the week. And then I kind of prioritize on Sunday. That's exactly what I do. You know, a good thing to do, too, is as the games are going and someone has a, a hot night, just go see if they're available and click the little I, which is usually a watch list. Yeah. Most sites have that feature, and that way you're just keeping an eye. You're not going to overreact, and you're not going to pick up all of them, but you're putting the little I so that it's a little star to just kind of remember. And then when you go on Sunday and do the official bids, you can click watch list, and it's going to pull up all of those guys you looked at and be like, okay, well, he was just a one game. Oh, he's continued to do well. And then you can kind of do things like that. So you're doing it all throughout the week, especially if you're a multi-leaguer as well. So that's Enrique Hernandez. I agree. I think about 60%. With the triple eligibility, the playing time, and, of course, the fast start of two homers, I think he needs to be on a roster somewhere for sure. In a lot of formats, there's going to be, you know, still a handful of, of 10 teamers where he's just not going to not going to necessarily float. But, uh, yeah, I, I could see it pushing even higher too. it. Ju- it jumped 14 percentage points yesterday to the 25. I think more people need to get on board and probably cut some of these uh, clowns that they're hanging on to. The Tim Beckham's it, of the world. Oh, wait, no. How dare you? 
So. All right, let's talk about Jock Peterson, another one of those guys who's going to be more of a, a shallow leaguer, and that's because he's going to get platooned, but he's going to be on the strong side of the platoon. He also popped two homers. He's at 39% at, at ESPN leagues. So what do you think about him clubbing two homers? He has a little bit more of a name. He's done some things in the past. Uh, he's actually available in one of my 12-team, my Rotowire Online Championship, my the, the first beat Paul Spore. I'll, I'll definitely take a look, but I don't know that I have a, have a spot for him. What do you think about Jack Peterson? Is he somebody that you're that you're intrigued by? I mean, I'm always intrigued by Jock Peterson, but unless he proves he can hit against lefties, I just don't know that in the majority of my formats I'm going to be willing to take a shot on him. Uh, yeah. just he's going to get platooned, and we're going to see it today because they're going up against a lefty, and he probably will not be in the lineup in that kind of. You know, even though he hit two home runs yesterday, I'm sure he won't be in the lineup today. So that's and that kind of right. you know confirms. Oh, did they have lineup out already? No, no, I'm just saying oh. you're right that he probably won't oh, okay. be. And one of the things to remember is they have eleven, uh, eleven starters that in in projected lineups or in projected rotations in the NL West are lefties, which is the most of any division. Some of those are on his own team, but Seattle for or excuse me, San Diego for example has three, and so does San Francisco. So that's six on those two teams in the division that Jock Peterson is just likely not going to face very often. So he's a tough one for me. I'm looking now. Let me just give you an, okay, should I cut Greg Allen for him? Yes. Okay, but actually there's somebody better. Like uh, Fernando Tatis hasn't been running our league yet. Yeah, so. so. I mean, I'm going to put the, the Fernando yeah. Tatis bit out there. But, uh, yeah, I, I have a cut, but it's not it ain't going to be for Jock Peterson. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I just – I agree with you, and it's going to be tough. And so look at the schedule, right? Do do the map out. You can, you can maximize stuff like this. Do the map out, and you see they're coming up against a, a slate where they're playing a bunch of righties. Then he becomes intriguing. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, though, they're not. Because uh, they've got Robbie Ray today. They do have two righties on the weekend, but then it's two lefties in a row to start the week with Pomerantz, Baumgartner, and then Samarja, then an off day, and then another lefty in Tyler Anderson, although it is in Colorado, and, and Gray and Bettis. So it's it's pretty mixed bag. So if you don't have daily lineups, I don't think I want a half-week Jock Peterson That's exactly in my right. lineup. Yeah, I mean, so, daily lineups, you can, you can play around with it, especially if you've got deeper benches. But in a weekly or like NFBC style where you can switch out hitters once uh, or twice a week, it it just doesn't work. Yep, I agree. That's Jock Peterson. Take a look in some of your deeper leagues if it's available, but in your shallower ones, I still think it's a pass despite the two homers. We talked about two pitchers that struggled. Let's talk about somebody who did well despite having the, the dark cloud of concerns over him. Madison Bumgarner goes into San Diego, throws a hell of a game. Seven innings, nine strikeouts, five hits, two runs. Uh, one walk, one homer, 15 swinging strikes in his 92 pitches was particularly impressive to me. That's what I was kind of uh, looking at and thinking, hot dang, I really like that aspect of it even more than the results there. You want to see you want to see the, the skills that are going into it. Results are great, but I wanted to see what he was doing skills-wise. And, of course, that was really nice for Bumgarner. What do you want to uh, – uh, what, what, what do you think about Bumgarner after one started? Obviously, you were not as high on him. I know you're going to completely flip your outlook. Are you encouraged at all by this outing? I'm definitely encouraged, but, I mean, we're still talking about – and don't, the Padres are not the Padres of old. Sure. Uh, but they're also not like a powerhouse offense, especially against left-handed pitching. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily like retracting the things I said about Bumgarner coming into the season. I still believe them to be true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am encouraged, one, by the velocity. It wasn't lower, I think, what, 91 uh, average fastball velocity through the game. Uh, and something that Eno pointed out, I think it was, uh, that he really increased his slider usage and his and his cutter usage and kind of decreased the fastball usage, which I think which is we a, love to see. Yeah, it's a good way for him to kind of pitch around the problems. So, uh, I think uh, this is an encouraging sign. I still have my reservations, but uh, I could easily be eating crow in, in a few weeks. Yeah, I don't think that's out of bounds, and I I wouldn't expect you to just completely flip and say, "Oh, I was wrong about Baumgartner. I'm on I'm on board," but. Seeing it, it's a good start, and there were some good skills behind it. The fact that you mentioned on Bumgarner, fewer fastballs, velocity up a, a little, 90.9 last year, 91.3, so marginal, but but steady, by the way. You'd rather see 
I'd rather just have flat than go down the swinging strikes and the use of secondaries. So that was nice by Bumgarner. Um, let's talk a little bit about some speedsters because they jumped out quickly <laughs> and really showed, hey. Confirmation we, bias we, time. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, this was something I talked about on Twitter about how whenever I, I streamed a draft on Twitch, I would get some folks who just, they're not really into fantasy. They're there for the video game or, or you know, quote unquote, just real baseball. And they would always say, Turner, Turner. Every time, Trey Turner, top five, Trey Turner, number three, Trey Turner, number eight. Every single draft, there was somebody who was boggled by the fact that he went in the first round, which is, of course, the disconnect between fantasy and real life. And I get it, but it was always interesting. And I'd just say, you know, the, the folks in there, we'd all say, yep, you know, you get that great speed with some punch, good lineup, still has batting average upside. There's so much to like about him in fantasy. Of course, we got that quote about how he's slated to run 75, 80 times or whatever. They wasted no time. Throwing <laughs> On pace for a few more. Yeah, the old heap of confirmation by everyone losing their minds. Three stolen bases in day one. But you do like to see it, you know, because those count. No matter, like It doesn't, it doesn't mean he's going to continue on that pace. That is excellent to see right off the top that Trey Turner swiped three bags now interestingly in a game later in that later that day a good analog for him the folks who were saying i don't want to necessarily play, pay first round for Ray turner because i want to go beyond the whit merrifield train dusty he yeah well exactly yeah he'll pay for him earlier uh but merrifield dropped a two bagger himself he, he popped a couple actually that makes it sound like he hit a double he went with two stolen bases as well so the top two guys out here that folks are really buying in on after their big seasons. They led their leagues respectively, and Merrifield led the entire league. They get a combined five stolen bases. I don't know that there's much to make from it. I just wanted to bring it up because it's interesting that they they hit the ground running, so to speak. What was your takeaway from Turner's three and Merrifield's two stolen bases on Monday? Or on uh, I'm used to opening day beyond Monday <laughs> on Thursday. Excuse me. Uh, I I think it was. I mean, I don't want to overreact and be like, oh, I told you guys so. I told you Trey Turner should have been the number three overall pick, and I told you you should be taking Merrifield in the you know middle second round. And uh, like, Do it, though. Like, yeah, Do no, it. I totally should. But uh, <laughs> I think for me, one, like Turner is uh, is really good to see, and it, you know, it's nice to see him get the three stolen bases. DeGrom isn't necessarily great at holding runners because he doesn't necessarily need to. I think they said on the broadcast he had like 15 stolen bases against him last season. And so they were going to try and kind of push it on the base pass with DeGrom on the hill to try to manufacture runs. So while I'm encouraged by the fact they're letting him run and kind of running at will, uh, I think that was part of the game plan yesterday. And, he, you know, he may not get that every single every single game. So obviously you're not going to project him out for, you know, 300 stolen bases this year, no matter yeah. what I tweeted out earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that being said, I, you know, I love Turner because I feel like he, you know, kind of gives you a, you know, a really big jump on the stolen bases coming into the season and uh, allows you to kind of pick up the power. Uh, elsewhere, uh, and he, he's not a zero in those categories. And just like Merrifield, Merrifield is you know a nice power source or a nice uh, speed source, but he doesn't give you a zero in the power department either. So they throw a little punch, and that mm -hmm. that's what you like to see from them. So yeah, again, none of this stuff for uh, a couple weeks really can we just make definitive comments about and and say hey this is validated or this is invalidated. But we have to talk about some things, so I, I like to bring up these these topics. So just Bear with us treading that line because it is not easy to bring up worthy topics while um, not overreacting to small samples. All right. So with that uh, caveat about not overreacting to things, I want to talk about five widely available <laughs> players. Of Let's overreact. Yeah, let's <laughs> go get these in every league. Uh, but no, again, we want to try to offer because people are going to be turning the back end of your roster and you are going to have to quote-unquote overreact to some of these small samples it, it's inevitable that's how you're going to be good at fantasy baseball i used to be mr sit on your hands guy and not make a single move um outside of injury for three weeks into the season and you know i win some leagues i would lose some it's not the right way to play it's not the right way to play in today's mm, game at all it's, i disagree you're wrong because it, it's just not if you're not churning the back end of your roster oh. uh Okay, let, let me let me rephrase that. I I think that 
depending on your format, you should you should definitely be churning the back end of your roster. But I like I'm not super aggressive early on. Like I'm not one of these guys that are gonna go out and spend six hundred of my thousand dollar fab on Tatis. Well, just, that's when the best players are available, though. But especially in these contests that have like these overall prizes, I want to have that money, that fab. You don't money. want to be broke. I, yeah. yeah, I want to have that fab money to chase the overall at the end, and that may. Understand. Yeah, it just so I, I don't tend to be overly aggressive, especially because for every guy that is a game breaker, uh, um, early that comes up, you know, for every Bellinger that comes up early and just cr- continues to crush, there's like four or five guys typically that. Crushed for that first week or that first month, and then we never heard from them again. So that's uh, fair, but I'm not talking about blowing through your budget here. The 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 bids in in my league, um, in one of my Rotowire online championships, the winning bids 60, 51, 44, okay. 43, 42. I'm not talking about going out and making triple digit bids on everything because there's not a lot of triple digit players. Like I said, the one twelve teamer does have Tatis wasn't wasn't bid upon yet. And so that's going to go this week, and that's going to be a biggie for sure. But I'm talking about your your, because uh, I'm saying I would do nothing unless there was an injury. I I was too precious about the back end of my roster, even though these clowns weren't playing, or you know somebody else was just better. And th- this was years ago. Now I've, I've talked about how my commitment to get better in season uh, has has been the number one driving force the last few years, and so that continues. Um, so yeah, this is the kind of guys that I'm talking about here. These are not going to be, and if they are triple digits, then you're going to lose them and and be comfortable with like, that's fine. You don't want to be putting triple digits out of your 1000 budget on these guys. But I do want to bring up these five here and just talk a little bit about them and see where you're at. Uh, as far as adding them, we can talk about league context specifically, but let's talk about Eric Lauer, who is somebody that late in draft season, I, I started to get a little bit more fondness for because it was clear that they liked him. Uh, the Padres did. And he was a prospect. I remember when he came up last year, uh, another one of my yearly things to improve upon is knowing prospects. I had actually known him. I was like, oh, okay, this guy, you know, Kylie and uh, Kylie and Eric said this about him. This this outlet said that. Here's the things about him. Okay, he's kind of interesting. I actually scooped him in a few leagues and it was it was pretty much nothing. He ended up struggling a bit at the outset for Eric Lauer and then finished the season pretty well. But like I said, they like him, and they ended up making him their opening day roster for the Padres. He goes out, has a solid debut, six scoreless on four hits, a walk, three strikeouts. I think he's somebody who should be on at least a reserve roster in a lot of leagues. I'm not sure we're necessarily getting into the 10 team outside of maybe like a 25% roster rate, and he's at 7% right now at ESPN. But I think when you're talking about – uh, the Rotowire, or excuse me, the uh, the NFBC stuff, which is the Rotowire Online Championship and the NFBC 12 and 15s with seven-man benches, he should be pretty highly uh, rostered right now. Eric Lauer, lefty for the Padres. How do you feel about him? Meh. Meh? Like, l- let's, let's be honest. And uh, as much as everybody calls me a Giants homer and a Dodger hater and, and all that stuff, uh... I'm very honest about my team, and my team is not very good, and it's even oh, worse against left-handed pitching. No, it's, they're they're, it's they're a brutal. Really team. bad, and I just don't know that I'm gleaming anything from what I saw yesterday from Eric Lauer because I just think we're that bad. Okay, but he also had a 107 ERA and um, a one WHIP in his last 25 and a third with 25 strikeouts. Oh, at the end of the season last year, too. This is not just the one start thing with Lauer. It's a prospect who showed some things to finish off his rookie season and got the opening day he, bid. He was mostly and held just up. kind of a math prospect. He's never like a, a guy that we were really like thinking was ever going to be much more than kind of a back end of the rotation uh, kind of guy. And yeah, he was impressive, kind of you know, what from. If you include yesterday's start from uh, uh, the second half on, you know, sub three ERA, uh, eight eight strikeouts per nine, uh, limited the home runs. I just, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm just uh, too. Maybe I'm too mad on him, and I should be a little bit more excited. But I just, I, 
like he's not an overpowering guy. I don't think his stuff is really good. No, he's not overpowering. I don't think that stuff is really good, and I think there are going to be teams like the Dodgers and the Rockies uh, that are going to murder him. I, I think he's he's interesting in the sense that there are two really bad offenses in this division that both really struggle against left-handed pitching, um, and that's the Diamondbacks and the Giants. And so mm-hmm. he's going to get a number of starts against those teams, but when he starts venturing out to other teams, I, I, I worry that he's going to get shellacked a little bit. I mean, we're talking reserve option here for Eric sure. Lauer anyway. So. I, just think, I mean, don't you want a guy with a little bit more upside? Uh, you know, as a reason, as a reason, well, like, like, like I prefer the the next guy on the list. Let's talk about Jordan Zimmerman. I, I would too, um, because I do think that he can have a little bit more strikeout upside, uh, because of stuff that, that Jordan Zimmerman's shown. So I, I'm, I'm fine with that comparison specifically. Um, let's talk about what he was able to do yesterday. He was, he was carrying a perfecto into the seventh. I, yeah. So he finished with seven innings, one hit, four strikeouts, zero walks, Efficient. I mean, it was peak. Or okay, not. Well, yeah, actually, kind of was peak. Yeah. Jordan Zimmerman efficiency. Like he was, he was three and out, man. I mean, he mm-hmm. he wasn't getting a ton of strikeouts. He didn't need them. This was one of those ones you're watching. And you're like, well, he doesn't have a lot. Of, if you go back and you know, someone's gonna say, well, he only had four strikeouts. He still had a 13% swinging strike rate, though. He didn't need a ton of strikeouts. They weren't he's doing. He's never anything. been a big strikeout guy. He's, exactly. He's been a so, guy that gets ground balls that induces weak contact and. Uh, ends up, I mean, at least back when he was with the Nationals, not Tigers, Jordan Zimmerman. Uh, he was a, a guy that racked up a lot of wins, and he would rack up the strikeouts because Quality of the amount starts, of innings. Like crazy too. Yep. Yeah, he was a, a, a cheaper, well, not a cheaper, he was a better version of uh, of Jeff Samarja in, in a way. Like, he wasn't going to overpower yeah, you. with the more the stable indi- version. Yeah, he, he wasn't going to power you with the individual numbers, but... Uh, he would compile things at the end of the season that made him uh, pretty pretty tantalizing. And I loved him there uh, and always hoped – and I, I I had hoped he, the Giants would sign him as opposed to signing Cueto and Samarja. Uh, glad that hey, there you go. didn't you happen. He dodged uh, that one. But, Here's what I loved. 63% on the slider-curveball mm-hmm. combo. Yeah. He also, like um, – who were we talking Bumgarner. about? Bumgarner. Got away from the fastball, which is definitely not their best pitch. The 91-mile-per-hour fastball for Jordan Zimmerman was only used 36% of the time. The Toronto offense is not one that we're out here fearing. But, but Roger Center is yeah. a place to fear. I don't think it's a trash offense either. I I, I put a decent bit of, mer- of merit into thwarting this lineup that, that handily. You know, like they have some punch. And they can beat up on uh, – and that's the thing, though. They can beat up on fastballs, and he wasn't giving them fastballs to beat up on. So Jordan Zimmerman had a nice debut. I agree with you. I, w- I would favor him over Lauer here for sure. He showed some things a little bit in the middle of the season last year too and eventually fell back on hard times, wound up uh, with a 2 ERA and 25 starts. Obviously, injuries have been a big issue since joining the Tigers as well. What kind of league are you, are you deciding that you might go get Zimmerman in, and and what what do you think this outlook is? He did alter his mechanics, by by the way, in the um, uh, in the off season this year. Mm-hmm. He's going to be widely available. What do you think for Jordan Zimmerman? I think my fifteen team leagues, I'm I'm going to take a flyer, uh, and I don't know if I I don't necessarily know if I want to do it in my twelve team leagues, but fifteen teams for league uh, fifteen team leagues for sure. I'll take a flyer, uh, especially if I see a good stretch coming up. Um, and I think if I'm desperate in a 12-team league, maybe I'll go with him. It just It's hard because he, he doesn't have the huge strikeout upside that we usually look for sure. in a guy. But I, I, I always talk about guys that are you know, kind of the older, unsexy vet at the back of my rotation that kind of gives you stabilizing innings. And if he's kind of becoming the guy that we used to know uh, – he could do that, and so the, those guys yeah. have a lot of value, especially in your deeper formats. You could you could really see that from somebody like Jordan Zimmerman. Let me ask you this: in a twelve-teamer, I'm testing you because it's, it's your boy, mm-hmm. uh, one of our one of our big guys here. In a twelve-teamer like the RotoWire Online Championship, no DL, would you cut Carlos Martinez to take a gamble on Zimmerman? Not yet. Okay. And I mean that's that's a decision that I've got right now because yeah, I think so do I. in that's one why I of it up. or I think in one of my online championship leagues I have like one 
bench spot that isn't inhabited by someone who's injured or got sent down to the minors. So uh, I have Woodruff, Martinez, and Eflin. Woodruff and Eflin aren't going anywhere, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the one where I have Greg Allen. He's going to be cut for somebody. My, all of a sudden, my bench is trouble. Uh, Martinez was like the only gamble at, when I when you leave the draft, and then all of a sudden, I've got Allen who's fighting for playing time, Olsen, who's hurt, Urias, who's in the minors, and Martinez, who's hurt. And so, like, in a snap, dude, in a Thanos snap, my reserve roster is (laughs) trash. So I don't know if if Zimmerman's going to fit into those plans because it also depends on who else is available. And, of course, I've already mentioned, like, ten times Tatis is available in that one, so we're going to be doing some heavy bids there. But I don't think I'm going to be – going 700 which i could see especially if he has a big weekend someone's going to do some some wildness i'm gonna i'm gonna put something substantial but it's not gonna be 700 so my my problem is like in my online championship that i was referencing i've got matt olson vlad guerrero sano heaney martinez and then peacock and aaron sanchez on the reserve so either i'm dropping one of the injured guys which yeah. I don't necessarily know that I want to do yet, or I'm or I'm bailing out on Aaron Sanchez, who I love, or Brad Peacock that I love. So yeah, I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't get rid uh, of either. Yeah, of those. I, so I think in twelve team leagues, it's unlikely for me to to make that move. All right, so that's Jordan Zimmerman and Eric Lauer. This is a one catcher league situation because in two catchers, he's definitely on a roster. And if he, I guess check because if he's not, that's insane. Mm-hmm. But Austin Barnes gets a homer, which I love seeing. I'm. <laughs> I almost, I almost went Ian half on on him, dude. <laughs> I love Austin Barnes so much. Uh, he's five percent at ESPN, and they do have ten team one one catcher leagues. By season, by draft season's end, he was my twelfth catcher. So that's right there on that cusp of ten teamer. Would you go get an Austin for a, a, a ten teamer right now over? Here, I'll, I'll give you some names. We'll just go right into the names that you might do it over. Kurt Suzuki or Austin Barnes? Uh, Barnes. Austin Barnes or Wellington Castillo? Castillo. I might go Barnes there. Which mm, starts... I think he's going to lose time at you know to Russell Martin. They didn't trade for Russell Martin for nothing. Well, McCann's going to take some of Wellington Castillo's time, and it's going to be against lefties because that's what McCann does best. So that that I just think it, the upside so much greater with Wellington. Is it? I think so. What is the upside with Wellington? I mean, we've seen him, haven't we? Uh, I, I should probably popped bring twenty, up the, right? Yeah, I think he's, seen, yeah, he's no, popped. I'll bring, I got you. Yeah, he popped twenty yeah, uh, in in seventeen. Yeah, before and he he lost time last year because he was suspended. So yeah. he popped the twenty in ninety because he used PEDs in twenty seventeen and hit twenty homers. <laughs> but he's done. He hit nineteen in two thousand fifteen. <laughs> I know he's a power so, source. He's a power source, but he also did that twenty home runs in two thousand seventeen with a two eighty two three twenty three four ninety triple slash. Like it wasn't True. like it didn't. The power doesn't with him doesn't necessarily come at an expense to the average. Not that I'm saying that will with Barnes, but... Yeah, so what do you think Barnes' upside is? Because I think, okay, maybe you don't give him as many homers, but I think he can have a similar average, and you're chucking in some steals. And so doesn't the homer plus steal... Like, maybe they're equal. I'm not going to necessarily say Barnes over Castillo. Because he could be like a 10 down, but I'm going to say guy. Yeah, and then you know, seventeen to nineteen homers from Castillo with zero steals. So you, I think the average feels a little bit safer to me with Castillo. The OBPs obviously gets a bump for Barnes because he walks so much. Sure. Uh, and he's at the bottom Con- of the lineup, but still Castillo's. team Con- team context is still better in in LA than Chicago, but is at the bottom. It's a, I mean, I think they're probably about even. I think this just comes down yeah. to personal preference, and I prefer Castillo over Barnes. I can accept that. That, that that's that, that's a good landing spot there. Uh, by the way, McCann started yesterday, not Castillo, Ooh. against Brad Kelly. So that that, that was surprising. That is, that is, is, weird. is yeah. McCann the starter? In that case, I would then definitely fully prefer Barnes. Yeah, but we'll I didn't see. even that's think about that. Day. That was one of those that kind of slipped between the radar for me. Though I will yeah. say, uh, I had Kel- <laughs> like my three cheap options for uh, DFS recommendations yesterday were Lauer, Zimmerman, um, and Keller. And Brad Keller, let's go! All uh, three. Like, and actually, all nine of my recommendations all hit. 
Like it was there like, you go. wow, that's a really good way to start. Now I'm, I can do nothing but disappoint all my readers. <laughs> I finished. Um, I did the, the that big league that you mm-hmm. helped me fill for my, my Twitch group. I finished like 11th, and it was like that's a solid day. Mm-hmm. I put up like 130, and not even close to the money. It's just it, it's weird when you have those days where it's like. I there were so many guys that pitched really, really well. And so many two homers that yeah. you needed to have some of the two homers, and, and I did had a couple of the two homers because I yep. – like my pitching was like I did a bunch of lineups. Uh, I max-entered attorney, um, and my pitching was fantastic because, like I said, like all my recommendations were great. So, obviously, all my pitching plays were great. My offense, not so much. Like just either mediocre or completely middling, so – I was great or awful. Hoskins, Bryant, Mondesi, Judge, McCutcheon all went off, and then Harper, Pinder, Ramos. And I took Ramos because he was cheap. I know he's going against Max. I was like, ah, maybe I'll spike some. Anyway, no one cares about that at all. Uh, two more guys. Colton Wong, another double donger. He's The defensive piece is there, which is probably the most intriguing aspect because that's going to keep him in, in playing time, or, or we, sh- we should suspect that it will. Um, that's a, we've talked about how that can be a tricky team to find playing time because they want to use Jose Martinez sometimes. And it's looking like their only avenue is going to be the outfield because of Paul Goldschmidt, but Colton Wong, if he, if he hits like that, obviously, you know, if he hits well, They're he's going to play it out of way how to get him in. He's been somebody that I've, I had past relationship with, we were, we were long mm-hmm. broken up. He's one of my exes. I don't really consider him. He's going to be widely available. Is he worth jumping in on? He was he had a nine and six season last year, nine homers, six deals, and four hundred seven plate appearances. Four eight the year before. I mean, we're we're now four years removed from his last double double, which was in twenty fifteen. He's only twenty eight, so he's in a in a season that could be considered still a prime level. But is Colton Wong somebody you want to go out and get? And if so, what kind of league type? Mm, I think in twelve and fifteen team leagues, I'm I'm taking a shot. Okay. Well, he's available in all four of my NFBC leagues, which is two fifteens and two twelve, including my TGFBI. I've got to double check to see if he's available in my main event, but uh, without saying exactly what I would bid on, uh, he's definitely a guy I will uh, put a bid on uh, because I lost uh, uh, Luis Urias. Uh, that's exactly who leagues. I was going to ask you about because that's so, who I have in TGFBI, and I do I think got, I would I mean, consider. I got to I got to drop him. You know, I don't have I don't have the flexibility on really any Wait, of my teams, but in that he's team. not good enough to. I, I, I'm a big. I'm probably one of the biggest Luis Arias guys, and I can freely admit that he's not. He doesn't have a big enough upside to where you just sit tight and hang on to this and see what's what. Because if agree. if Tatis goes off, and let's say Kinsler's solid, like not great, but just say. 750 OPS and great defense, they're not taking him out of the lineup. And so it's going to be Tatis and Kinsler at the corner because Kinsler's a leader. And I know that some people are going to groan and, and roll their eyes at that. That plays, especially with a young team. They want Hosmer and Kinsler to, to bring them along. I know definitely some people are vomiting at Hosmer being a leader, but <laughs> he resonates with players. And I'm not a huge fan at all. Um, you know, just Google Eric Hosmer, Eno Saris, and, and read that story. I'm, I'll never be a fan of him, but th- <laughs> those two can lead a clubhouse. And so can, the point there is that Eno Saris. Have you not read that story? I have not. Oh my God, it's from the Hardball Times. Read it. Yeah, read it. I'll for, I'll forever think he's just the the ultimate dude, bro, douche. Just just the total douche. But uh, so yeah, for Luis Urias, gone for Colton Wong for sure. Um, what about the aforementioned Lourdes Gurriel? <laughs> Sorry, I just I, I just opened up the article and the, the beginning of it just made me laugh. Um, it, it's a it's a brilliant piece by you know. I'll, I'll take Wong over Gurriel. Um, okay, Colton Wong or Brandon Crawford. I know they're two different positions, but Wong, we're looking kind yeah. of middle. No Wong. Um, let's see one more here. A guy that we both like as hopefully as a rebound type. Orlando Arcia or Colton Wong? Ooh. I knew I'd stump you there because we both. That is a tough one. I'm going to go Arcia. I'm sticking Arcia as well. But Colton Wong, two homers, playing time on the strong side, great defense. I I think it is going to be that platoon, though, because when they do face lefties, I think they go Carpenter second. Wait, who would they put at third? Jerko. But Jerko's hurt right now, right? 
Oh yeah, yeah. But how does they? That doesn't get Jose Martinez. I thought that. I thought that the platoon was to get Jose Martinez in. It looks like it's only for Gyro Munoz, uh, Munoz right now for Wong, yeah. from Wong's standpoint. I thought it was a finagling to get Martinez in. But no, yeah, Martinez it, it doesn't find work. His own way. Yeah, it doesn't work. So maybe, maybe he can force out Gyro Munoz and get some of that lefty work if he can prove himself Colton Wong can prove himself against lefties 614 last year not that good let me see what Jairo Munoz did real quick while we're talking and uh, Munoz is see an what... interesting guy but I think he's he's definitely he plays just everywhere yeah he's a super util guy he's uh jack of all trades master of none type of guy yep smacked lefties last year mm-hmm. so he's probably going to get that burn at least at the start of the season that they don't want to make too much over 100 fight appearances but he did pop an 838 and that's going to give them a chance to sit one but Deeper leagues. I'm you lost somebody running like with five bench guys. You yeah, they, see, they, you they don't see that very often. I wonder if it's because they acknowledge that they can get multiple innings out of so many of their bullpen guys, like John Gant, Alex Reyes, and even Andrew Miller. We know can be mm-hmm. and six really. So they have four guys that they should feel confident that they can get multiple innings from. But you're gonna uh, need that, you know, when Wainwright's pitching every fifth day. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe even like Dakota Hudson might just be a five and dive. Mm-hmm. So you know something like that. So okay, um, that's Colton Wong. The last one here, Ryan Healy, and it's always tougher to, uh, or not tougher, but just more interesting to judge these Seattle Oakland guys because they have the two extra games. So oh, it's a much bigger, more uh, bankable sample here, a hundred percent, right? No, mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. Uh, but he has two homers as well, two doubles. So he has four hits. They've all gone for extra bases. Remember, we had some love. I, I don't know if you shared that love. It, Eno got me on the Healy hype train years ago. 2016, he had a great half season, and we carried it into 17. And he was pretty solid. He wasn't great. He did pop 25 homers with a 754 OPS. For what we were paying for him, it was fine. It wasn't some uber breakout for Ryan Healy. But I had a soft spot for him. Then last year, he popped another 24 homers, but it was with a 688 OPS. So it was some pretty empty pop. Now 27. Has a has a free range over some playing time with Kyle Seager out. Is Ryan Healy someone you're going to get? And if so, what kind of league type for him? I think in 12 team league, if you're a little power deficient, okay, uh, he's going to play until Seager comes back, and Seager's not expected back for at least 10 weeks, I believe, for a whole minute, so, yeah, and maybe even longer than that. So, uh, yeah, I think if you're power deficient, he's going to play. And playing time is king, right? So, they, I mean, Dylan mm-hmm. Moore is not going to take his spot. Dan Vogelbach can't even play first base, much less third base. So, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know who – like, I mean, obviously, I said earlier, if if they brought up J.P. Crawford, maybe they could move Tim Beckham to third, and that could cut into Healy's playing time. I think that they want Crawford to get some seasoning. He really has some stuff to work on offensively at the minor league level. So, I don't think that that's happening in the next month. So I think you can ride out Healy for at least a month and and, and probably longer than that. Yeah, I, I think that that's fair. And, and still only twenty seven. And he can get the ball rolling to where maybe they try to figure something else out when he comes back, and that he doesn't get taken out. And Jay Bruce goes back to the outfield, or you know they they figure something else out there. If if, if Ryan Healy's smacking. They're going to find playing time for him even when Kyle Seager comes back. Quick, would you rather on Healy, Ryan Healy or Evan Longoria? Healy. Ryan Healy or Trey Mancini? These are corner types, by the way, not always, not exclusively third basemen. Mancini? By a shred, I think. Only the park, the, that, that Camden the, Yards the is. Beautiful park, and if you want to plan more long-term, I think Mancini's playing time is more Yeah, because who they going to replace him with? Yeah, nobody. Me, maybe. I think they'll, yeah. call, they'll call me. They saw me in MLB The Show. They want to you, put me in. You don't strike out enough. I, that's true. I don't strike out. Actually, I would, obviously. Um, <laughs> Joey Wendell or Ryan Healy. Different profiles, but interesting to compare them. Healy. I worry Jungle about Gump. Wendell in, in Tampa. They've got a lot of parts. Playing time is going to be tough. Yeah. And he could be one of those guys who his game count looks high because he comes in in the middle of games or at the end of games because of his defense. But then you look at the plate appearance, like this is not commensurate I also all. think he's going to be a guy that's super frustrating to own. And if you're not in a daily league, how are you going to plan around that? Like, exactly. Healy, we know, is at least going to get played, played appearances every game until Seager comes back. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So, okay. Um, and then Jung Ho Gung, the last one, the Gong. Mr. Gong. Yeah. 
I was Definitely. wrong on him. I, I, I'm, I'm eating my crow. You don't have to keep bringing it back up. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> I will ask you this: In a ten-teamer, do you think Jung Ho Gung needs to be on? Because yes. on on ESPN, he's only nine percent. Yes, I think he should be. I, I think I agree, but at I least do as wonder. a bench option. I mean, it, the it, thing of it is, they only have three benches in ESPN standards, so it is a little bit tough. But I'm like, hmm. Just as a hypothetical, not my league specifically, obviously, because I wouldn't just use your time <laughs> to get league advice for myself. But would you take John Hogung, Nomar Mazzara, or Jackie Bradley Jr. for a f- free reserve spot that maybe Matt Olson vacated? Uh, Mazzara. See, that's what I'm saying. Like, Gung might be tough in a 10-teamer because when you really start to see who's on the wire. Although, I think he could play himself into it. That's the thing, I'm torn. I'm torn. I'm really, I'm really torn there. But uh, yeah, see, anyway. I don't play in ten teamers, so this is that. That's an it's, interesting it's question tough. for me. And and I used to be Mr. League shame guy. I will freely admit it. I still am ten teamers. That's not, no. You're a clown. You're an absolute clown because <laughs> because you don't play them. You get, get two your more ass friends because you don't know. It, it's hard. It's a different. It's just that's a it. different. We're gonna scope. do next year. We're gonna do the sleeper in the bus ten team league. Okay. We'll do a 10-team league, you, me, Jason, uh, Nick, and then six listeners. Okay, and if you think it's it's so beneath you and so easy, we'll it's see how you do. It's super beneath me, but everything is on this podcast. You're insane. <laughs> You're insane if you don't think – because here's the thing. Here's what you start doing. Because you play in so many deep leagues, you think everyone on the waiver wire should be on your team. Because you see, if you had seen them on the waiver wire in your 15-team league, they look like an oasis of excellence. Did I already 15- go through that in 12-team leagues because I play in NL and AL only? So like, I'm I'm okay with that. I can deal with that. We'll see. We'll see. You're a league shamer. You're the worst kind of person. I, you know. I don't care. I don't care if you've only got five friends and you guys play 16. If you're playing I, fantasy I, have baseball, have you listened to the I'm most recent Absolute Bunts podcast? Not yet. Are you on it? No, they do a live draft. Is it great? It's amazing. They know nobody. For those who don't know, Absolute Bunts is a a podcast. Two British guys who know nothing about baseball, kind of talking and learning about baseball. Uh, And they they started, I think, like halfway through last season. Yeah. Uh, It's hilarious. Just them going over the rules and not understanding why things are done a certain way. And um, but they did their first ever fantasy draft. Um, And like one of the guys took Blake Snell like third overall. Uh, it's like it, like by the time they get to the fourth round, they have no idea who anybody is anymore. Um, it's if you feel like you messed up your draft or one of your drafts, go listen to that because it'll just make you feel better. <laughs> You're so mean. It's, All right, I'll, de- it's I'll so definitely so funny. To it. It's like I was crying it. laughing at one point. Well, I've got it now. The problem is like with the season starting and MLB out. Um. When I'm not working on an article or a podcast, I'm streaming right now. And, oh, and see, you know, put that in the games, background like, while you stream. I can't because I'm talking to people. I, can't, I wouldn't be able to listen to it. Like mm-hmm. That's the tough part. And so uh, what I do like to do, though, on like a weekend day before I start streaming, say on a Saturday, obviously either of them because they have day games, is spend a few hours, have a game on mute on the TV, catch up on pods, and play MLB. That is such a great like Saturday morning, afternoon, before I get my day started, you know, either do something with Jen and then stream or whatever. I I love, love doing that. So maybe, maybe or, or, tomorrow. Or like, maybe you know, t- when you take Charlotte out for a walk, like, you oh, know, yeah, 10 that's, minutes, that's you, you can do it 10 minutes right at a time. Like, it's like, seriously one of, like, like I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, trying to absorb as, as much information from, from the people in the industry that I, that I trust and respect and things like that. Um, and now that the season started, it's like, you know, I'll still listen to, you know, our friends over at Rotowire and, mm-hmm. uh, and Sammy and Doug, you know, over at Baseball Holics and, uh, Batflip Crazy. He's got a pretty good one out too now. Um, but, uh, like, do you ever check out that Friends with Fantasy Benefits? Never heard of it. Ah, it's pretty, it's Friends with Fantasy Benefits. Go and TGFBI. Go subscribe. Pretty, pretty good, listen. Pretty good. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> I don't listen myself. That's, that's, that's something I just can't do. I don't um, have enough time to, to do to do that to like listen to ours like quality control them sorry no no i just wait for people to complain and then i go back and fix them (laughs) Um, which you can always do on twitter at justin mason fwfb yeah Uh, it's better than giving us a bad review but 
Yeah, Absolute Bunts is like now my whenever it pops up, it's like the first thing I go listen to just because it's it's really nice to get a good laugh in when it comes to baseball. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll have to check that out for sure. Um, Justin, it's great talking with you. Day in. We'll be back next week. Um, we're going to get the schedule ironed out. So it's it's kind of locked in a little. There'll still be some flexibility mm-hmm. to it, but you can expect us twice a week, guaranteed. Yeah. Mondays, plain Thursdays. And, plain and simple. We'll, we'll probably lock that in. Okay. Great. So, all right. Well, I will talk to you later, and I hope you have a great weekend. Take it easy. Bye.